Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny McIntosh and I'm coming to you from Glasgow, Scotland at 32 degrees, which you can only imagine how many overweight people have their tops off in Glasgow. But I'm also joined by Finlay Martin, who I believe is also experiencing some heat in your neck of the woods as well. How are you today, Finn? Remaining cool under pressure, Kenny. Not that doing this podcast is pressure. No. It's fun, fun, fun. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, but yeah, I can imagine there's a lot of people out there with the tops off, whether they're, uh, you know, they've got ripped six packs or, you know, maybe just a, you know, tad over the, uh, over the uh, recommended weight for their frame. But uh, I would recommend them to put their tops back on rather than, you know, end up lobster red and in agony for days to come. That would be my recommendation. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to be. And you just need to, because I, it's kind of, I mean, joking aside, you know, people have kind of said, because I know like in Middlesbrough, because right now, let me just, let me get the, the stats. I know London's supposed to be the worst hit place in the UK. Yeah, down south, off. isn't it? I thought, was it pretty close to 40 when I looked? It's probably exceeded 40 now, I imagine. Yeah, it was 40 earlier. It's now down to 38, it which okay? is still grim. I mean, that's, 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 I mean, especially for a country, we're not really, we're not really as a country prepared for extreme heat or extreme coldness. We're kind of, we're good with the middle. The middle. We're good with rain. Yeah. Really good with rain. 
I mean, well, Scott Rail's not very good with rain. A bit of rain, that's a, a line closed for two hours. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like Scott Rail's very good with anything. No, Scott Rail's rubbish. But anyway, I could go on about Scott Rail. But we're here to talk about wrestling. We're here to talk about, you know, WWE's um, road towards SummerSlam. Uh, I'm going to bring up the card for ROH's pay-per-view return this weekend and just get Finn's thoughts on it. Um, but let's let's dive in with this past week's SmackDown. Um, it wasn't a huge episode, you know. We were we were Roman Reignsless again. Yes, um, and we were also he will be on Raw this Monday. He will be. Yeah, he'll be on the Go Home Show uh, from Madison, Madison Square Garden. Square Garden. Yeah. So, uh, but we did have some stuff on the show. <laughs> now we had. I didn't quite see this one coming, but uh, we, we had you know the the Usos and the Street Profits have had their issues. Uh, getting back to money in the bank so they ended up on this show have, there was a singles match with Angelo Dawkins and Jimmy Uso um, and there was a ref bump and in the end Angelo Dawkins got the win but Jimmy's shoulder was up so uh, Adam uh, Adam Pierce ends up coming out and says that you know that's been questionable officiating for you guys street profits at money in the bank and now tonight with the Usos so we're going to bring in a special referee for SummerSlam, and he's found the perfect man for the job. Jeff Jarrett is the guest referee, Finn. Yes. Oh. Yeah, well, it is in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett is synonymous with Nashville. And he's yep. now a big cheese backstage. You know, he's got a finger in lots of... Pa- I mean, he's got a busy weekend, hasn't he? SummerSlam <laughs> weekend. He does. He I mean, does. it's all happening for Jeff. I mean, people were thinking a while ago, it was yesterday's man. He was the butt of the jokes when he was trying to sell gold. Now he's the main man, Kenny. Well, yeah, there's got to be... I mean, I don't know how you felt, but when I was watching this video package, which kind of felt ridiculous because it just came out of nowhere or whatever, you got to admire Jeff Jarrett's gumption. And because now, you know, for years, WWE blackballed him, essentially. Yeah. They, would, they would never mention him. They, didn't, they, they basically tried to, you know, in no way credit anything they ever did and, and make him a, a, a footnote of history. He was and a now, pariah, wasn't he? A pariah. Yeah, he was a pariah, but now he's a key legend. They're showing him in all the packages. He's like one of the guys that they go to now. He's, he's got to internally be a little bit smug about that. He's, oh, he's won in the end. Of course. I mean, you know, you've got to really, 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 really upset the McMahons. Never, <laughs> never to receive an invite to return. I mean, you really have. We've seen that. So we've seen this so many times. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they said that during the show that they were going to announce the uh, guest referee for the Street Profits versus Uzo's rematch. And Sami Zayn was on commentary during the Angelo Dawkins versus Jimmy Uzo match on SmackDown. Really great to see Sami back. He had his arm in a sling. Uh, arm in his sling. Nevertheless, he was putting his name forward to be the special referee of the uh, Uzos versus Street Profits rematch at SummerSlam. And instead, Adam Pearce came out and announced that it would be Jeff Jarrett. I thought Jarrett might make an appearance, but presumably they're leaving that till maybe next week or the week after. Well, maybe not the week after, <laughs> since it will be too late. Maybe <laughs> next week. Well, I was thinking more this, when I mean next week, I mean this Friday is SmackDown. We obviously got two episodes of SmackDown to go yeah. before SummerSlam. So there's actually two weeks. It could be this week or next week. Obviously, only one episode of Raw between now and SummerSlam. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a really, 
I think it'd be quite a moving occasion for Jarrah. I mean, it seems fairly obvious that the Street Profits are going to win the belts that night. It, 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 I mean, it's all set up for them to have their hands raised. I think they should, you know, based upon their career tra trajectory, based upon how amazing that match was at Money in the Bank. And I think if they were not, I think if they were to lose to Jimmy and Jay again, I think that would be a huge setback for them. Um, I think as a team, they would struggle to overcome that. So they really have to win. Um, and Jeff Jarrett there as the special referee holding their arms up. I think it'd be a magical occasion for everyone, Kenny. Yeah, I think if, if the Street Profits do not win at SummerSlam, then that is basically your uh, your that's notice. Them. That's them as a team, isn't it? They yeah, are, that's... They, that's it. They are finished as a team, essentially. Yeah, the, the, the Montez Ford solo experience is coming very soon, if that's the case. But, you know, I think they'll get their moment at SummerSlam. I don't think that we're, we're seeing them break up just yet. Um, we also had on SmackDown uh, Paul Heyman trying to kind of play Theory and Madcap Moss off against each other. Um, you see, they're kind of keeping that going. They, they're still sort of making it apparent that Theory intends to cash in his briefcase at SummerSlam. So it'll be interesting to see. It's, it's, at least with Heyman here doing this kind of stuff, it's not blockbuster, it's not hugely memorable, but it is keeping the title involved in the show, which I think is important. Yeah, definitely. And and the thing is, it, I, I imagine there may be, maybe be one more confrontation between Reigns and Lesnar, mm -hmm. possibly on Raw next week. Um, probably, actually, since that's at Madison Square Garden, it's obviously going to be a huge show. Um, so yeah, we that's that's Heyman's job is to keep the storyline simmering and to just move it along a little bit, uh, not too much. Um, and his conversation with Theory was it was quite an interesting uh, chat backstage between Heyman and Theory. Heyman was saying that he was responsible for the biggest break of Theory's career. Heyman offered to manage Theory's career. Could that be a hint of what's to come? that Heyman and Theory will become a partnership after SummerSlam, after he cashes in and defeats whomever at SummerSlam. I mean, it, it may. Stranger things be. have happened. Absolutely. Um, but Heyman was suggesting to Theory that he shouldn't cash in at SummerSlam and instead they should schedule a match between Theory and Roman Reigns on a future premium live event um, so that they could all maximize their earning potential. And, um, you know, they did that thing where they're looking up at the, the billboard above the venue. They're both looking up to the sky. Just imagine Theory versus Roman Reigns. Theory turned him down. So, yeah, he's sticking to the plan. He's saying, I'm cashing in. I'm going to cash in my money in the bank contract immediately after the conclusion um, of Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in the last man standing match at SummerSlam. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen, but uh, I have a feeling it's going to happen. I have a feeling that he will cash in because they've, if they were, if it was something they weren't going to do, he would have casually mentioned it. But we know what WWE's policies is when it comes to promises. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, they've spent so much time on this that I think Theory will have to cash in at uh, SummerSlam. I think he will do. Uh, I think people will be disappointed if he doesn't. I mean, he can still get away with it, of course, if he doesn't, because he's a, a villain, he's a heel. 
So it's, you know, they're allowed to lie, aren't they? He could be lying. Yeah. I mean, the only thing for me, the only reason I personally probably don't want him to cash in is because I would really like it if the main event of Clash at the Castle was Drew and Roman for the title. That's the match I want to see. But, you know, maybe, maybe they do somebody wins the title and Roman wins it back quickly. Like maybe they do something kind of out of the norm. Um, I just don't know if Theory, if he does win the title, I think it would be too soon. I, do, I just don't know if he would be able to carry the, you know, the the the, the legacy almost of being the, the double champ, um, unless that's the way that they're going to get down to single champs again. Maybe, maybe he's, you know, maybe Theory will defend one and lose it, and that's how they split the belts up. I don't know. Yeah, but, possibly. Um, I do know what you mean. It almost feels like Randy Orton in 2004, doesn't it? Yeah, Where yeah. It would be too soon for him to become champion. Um, although Theory is absolutely tearing it up right now. I mean, that guy has really well. so, so much self-belief. He's just oozing, you know, confidence and belief in himself and his abilities. And um, he's, he's kind of a, he really is like a prodigy, isn't he? He's like, what an amazing talent this guy is, that he can do all these things. You know, he can cope with this level of pressure on the mic, in segments and in matches. Um, at the age of, he's still only 24, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Still only 24, I believe. Second, second infant. Incredible, really. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who were writing theory off and just saying, oh, he's, you know, he's somebody who's been pushed too soon and, you know, he's a McMahon project. And I just feel like theory has, has proven most of those people wrong. I mean, I just feel like the guy's, the guy's on a really good path right now. He's doing so well. I do believe that it's probably too soon for him to become double champion. I would prefer that to happen next year. But if it means that he then drops the belts to Drew in Cardiff, as I've said before, I'm I'm on board with that. I'm happy with that. You know, I can subscribe to that booking plan. We'll see. We've we've only got, uh, you know, 12 days, 11 days till till we find out. So we'll see what happens. Um, The only other thing from Smack that I wanted to mention to you was... Obviously, Liv Morgan defended uh, her SmackDown Women's title against Natalia in a championship contenders match. Um, and Liv Morgan got the win. And then she uh, backstage did a promo where she basically talked about how she was going to be the underdog at SummerSlam. But uh, call her what you want. But at SummerSlam, she says, you will still call her the champion. Uh, what did you make of the match and Morgan's, I guess, placement as the underdog going into this big SummerSlam match? I mean, it was okay. I mean, there were a couple of moments there where they got a little bit lost and there was some mistimed moves. And Natalia, was she was calling it and it was very obvious that she was calling the action. And for somebody, I mean, you know, I don't want to pick on Natalia because I think she is talented, but she has struggles sometimes in matches. And it was as if she was, you know, there was a failure to communicate there between Natalia and Morgan and there was one sort of crisscross in the ring where it, um, not crisscross, we were just running the ropes and something went wrong. And happily, Morgan did save it with a pinpoint accuracy drop kick. And I thought Morgan did do well with her offense. But I did feel like there was some time in here. And it just, you know, it was like a moment where Natalia went for a uh, top rope superplex and it just took forever. And it was as if they then changed their minds and thought, oh, this isn't a very good idea. We, and it wasn't a good idea, the <laughs> top rot superplex. And that turned into another move. And it just seemed really kind of ropey, kind of rough and just, 
I wouldn't say shaky, but just not smooth. And it just all felt like they were struggling a little bit on some of the communication on the moves. And I just feel like, you know, some people don't like uh, matches that seem too rehearsed. I'd rather watch a match if it's smooth and they've rehearsed it 10 times, if the execution is better than Liv Morgan versus Natalia was here. I mean, the, the audience got into it and there's some big moves and uh, Morgan scored the pin, which was obviously the right outcome. Morgan scoring the pin with the oblivion. This is Natalia's role. I've said this many times before. She's there to put other people over. So she did do that here. But I just kind of feel like, you know, Morgan could have done with a slightly better match than this. And as far as Morgan going into the match with the rematch with Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam as the underdog, I think that's the, the correct storyline. I think that's what, if you, you know, 90% of people would reach that conclusion or have that opinion that Morgan was the underdog in this match. Um, but we talked about this quite a lot last week. I think Morgan's going to return against Ronda Rousey. I'm not quite sure how that's going to happen. Maybe Charlotte, maybe Bailey, or maybe both will return. Um, and they'll get away with the, you know, count out or DQ finish with run-ins or something like that. Um, but yeah, Morgan, you know, I just, if Morgan loses to Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam, that's going to be as devastating for her career as if the Street Profits lose to Jimmy and Jay. Yeah, I mean, probably more so, actually. Like, I think... I think she would really struggle if she uh, if she loses that match to Rousey. Um, yeah. She's got to retain somehow. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of smacked in. Before we talk about Raw, obviously we talked on Power Slam about Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland becoming the new AEW Tag Champs, which was the big story coming out of Dynamite last week. But I did want to get your take, Finn, because um, next week we'll probably give a mention to the Kingston-Jericho barbed wire everywhere match, which... You know, I'm sure it'll be something, but um, this weekend uh, it's Tony Khan's first ROH pay-per-view. So I thought I'd just give you the card, Finn, and give me your thoughts on what you think. So we've got the women's title annoying the ROH women's title, Mercedes Martinez, the champ, defends against Serena Deeb. We've got a two out of three falls match for the ROH tag titles between FTR, the champs, defend against the Briscoes. We've got an ROH pure title match with Wheeler Utah defending against Daniel Garcia. The TV title on the line is Samojo defense against Jay Lethal. And the main event is Jonathan Gresham, who now is managed by Tully Blanchard, which I was unaware of, but um, facing off against Claudio Castagnoli in the main event for the world title. Um, what do you think about this pay-per-view? Do you think that the, the AEW fan base is going to sort of buy it out of loyalty to AEW? Do you think the old school ROH fans are going to buy into it? What, how do you measure the success of this card this coming weekend? I mean, it's really hard to measure it. I mean, I mean, to me, it's it's an attractive lineup by, you know, if you compare this to any prior Ring of Honor show when before AEW bought it out. Yeah. So I think it's a good lineup. I don't think anyone could deny that, you know, that's a star-studded lineup by ROH standards. Um, I mean, Claudio versus Jonathan Gresham, it's going to be quite a height difference there between those two, isn't there, Kenny? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So I think Claudion really needs to win that one. Um, he would also be a good, I mean, I think because to, to your point, I think if you're an ROH fan, I think this is like you know a massive upgrade compared to what the shows were like before in terms yeah. of star power and stuff. And I think if Claudio was to win the title, I think he's he's a name 
And no disrespect to Gresham, I don't think Gresham is, is really that interesting or exciting. No, he's not. I mean, we've seen him very few times in AEW. He's made a few appearances, but not that many. And he doesn't feel like a priority at all to AEW, does he? No, but, and also he just, I don't think, I think they're in this difficult spot where, because was Gresham, Gresham was the champion, he was the ROH champion when it was bought, right? He was, when, when Tony Khan took over, he was the champ, as far as I'm aware. Yes, I think so. So I'm gonna, I yeah, mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out, so, so I don't get it wrong. Yeah. Um, had the match with Jay Lethal, didn't he? That show. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so sorry, he won. Uh, he final won the battle. battle, wasn't it? Final battle was um, Gresham versus Lethal, wasn't it? Yes, in December of last year. So Gresham, it's not exactly like he was Tony Khan's choice, but you know, he's obviously he has to defend it, um, sure. and, and and when. So I think. I, th- I think if Gresham was to retain, it may be a bit of a head scratcher. But to me, if you look at this card, if Claudio wins this belt, people are going to be talking about it. People are going yeah, to be- it gives ROH status, prestige, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it makes it feel like a big company and Claudio is somebody who's been doing very well in AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know him as champion gives Ring of Honor more of a lift and more of a... More of a you know buzz, more of a you know more of a anticipation that yeah, Claudio is the champion of that company. So let's check Ring of Honor out. You know, if Claudio's the champ, you know, I wouldn't ordinarily watch Ring of Honor, but I like Claudio, so I'm going to watch the show because he's on it. He's the champion of it. Yeah. So uh, sure. to me, he ha- he really should become champion on this show. Um, Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. I'm not interested in that match. So. I've just got no interest in Samoa Joe or Jay Lethal. Um, FTR versus Briscoes. Um, it should be a really good match. I mean, they're both very dependable tag teams. I think they can have another blinder. So I think that can be really good. Um, Serena Deeb, Mercedes Martinez. Surely this has got to be Serena's night, Kenny. Surely Serena gets the big win here. Yeah, you, I mean Mercedes Martinez. Um, I I just think that she has. I'm trying to be kind here. I think at, every, at, at pretty much every stage where she's had an opportunity in the last three four years, it's never worked. Whether it's in NXT or uh, main roster WWE, I mean, well, she stepped away from that, but you know, um, or or in AEW, I just don't think it's clicked. So I think Serena yeah. Deep. No, I mean, it's a bad sign when Serena Deeb is the exciting upgrade. <laughs> but here we are. But I mean, you know, that Mercedes Martinez versus Diona Perazzo match. I mean, that was another bad night for Impact. I mean, Impact and AEW. I mean, you know, Impact was the big loser in that relationship at every turn. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Martinez beat Diona Perazzo, it was just like, she shouldn't. Diona should be somebody who should be. She should have been featured on Dynamite. She should have scored the win there. She should have been somebody that AEW could look at and say, right, you know, we want to sign you when your impact deal ends. We want to bring you on board. We want to give you some big matches. We think you can be champion of our women's division. You know, she's done obviously done really well in Impact. You know, bring that over to our team. It's a much bigger audience. We can pay you more money, et cetera, et cetera. And they just absolutely blew it there by jobbing Diona Perazzo out to Mercedes Martinez in what was a really scrappy match. I mean, it was just such a flop of a match. And then 
I think Martinez, I think her next seven matches or something like that were on dark. That's how they chose to capitalise on that. Effectively, the biggest win of Mercedes Martinez's career by sending her to dark for seven matches or whatever it was. So, yeah, I mean, Serena Deeb, you know, for loyalty and for being a good soldier, for putting people over, you know, for doing her best. I think she needs to become champion here. I mean, Mercedes Martinez, she's just not very good. And if she ever was going to be any good, she would already be good. You know, it's not happening. She's never going to improve from here because if she was going to, it would have happened by now. Yeah, you don't magically, you know, at this stage of the career. Get I mean, there. she's you know, she, they booked her against everyone. She's been in all the different systems. You know, if you don't improve, she did. She wasn't dreadful in the NXT system, and obviously they have more advantages there with better trainers and producers and the opportunity to rehearse things and just you know lots of people to help you put your match together. So it works for you and it it accentuates your strengths and conceals your weaknesses. And she never really shone there ever that I can recall, you know, and she's never shone anywhere else that I've seen. So, you know, if she was going to set wrestling business on fire, you know, it already would have happened. So, yeah, please, she needs to lose that belt. Was there any other matches? Uh, the, one other, the one other match was uh, Wheeler Utah defend the pure title against Daniel Garcia in a pure wrestling rules match. Well, I can't say I'm really that excited about that match, but I hope they have a good, I hope they have a good match. Yeah. And I hope they really, you know, get the crowd on side. And that could be a stature enhancer for both. You know, if they can really, you know, whip up a, you know, some enthusiasm in the audience. But I'm not interested in either Wheeler Utah or Daniel Garcia, to be honest with you. Neither of them excite me at all. Um, but I hope they have a good night, you know, and I hope, you know, they prove me wrong, basically, Kenny. I hope they come Take out with people saying these two guys really turned it up and they absolutely tore the house down. And Finley, you're wrong about these two. So I hope they prove me wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, they'd be a good, good choice for the opener. If the crowd's hot. You know, start with start with the people who, you know, the crowd maybe aren't as into, so they can try and because that's the best chance they're going to have to win them over. Um, yeah. Uh, let's move on to Raw. Um, so Raw opened this week with Titus O'Neil as WWE's global ambassador. I've got to say this made me feel very uncomfortable that we had Titus O'Neil here, basically talking about how great the company is and all all these things that help bring people together to do good and um. This is a place that we deserve to have a safe haven, he called it. I mean, if we look up the, the term tone deaf in the dictionary, you might be able to replay this segment in full. Like, what were they thinking to do this, you know, amidst all the other stuff going on? It felt like a, I mean, it really felt like, like a big fire, A firefighting exercise, Kenny. That's what it was. Did it not feel like a big kind of F you to people who are, you know, serious, serious allegations that are going on that are, you know, no joke. And, and the response is, we're a safe haven. It's just mad. I, I, I didn't quite expect them to come, come out and do something. And poor Titus O'Neill, I mean, he's a nice guy. Does a lot of good stuff for charity. But, you know, him having to be the, the, the face here, it's a bit of an unfair position to put the guy in. But what did you, did you have any thoughts on this opening segment? Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Titus O'Neill. I think he's 
I think he's done does so many good things for the company and so many good things for people in general. I mean, he was ne- he was he was never very good as a pro wrestler, but he's managed to parlay that into a far more fruitful and I'm sure rewarding career for him and obviously for the people that he assists in helping. So I think he's one of life's I think he's one of WWE's biggest success stories of really the last five or six years and an unsung hero in many ways. So I'm glad that he got his moment here. Uh, I was really pleased when he got his moment at the Hall of Fame ceremony, which would have been last year, wouldn't it? 2021 Hall of Fame ceremony was there, wasn't it? And um, that was it, wasn't it, Kenny? 2021, when he was um, when he was there and he was recognised with the... Was it the Warrior Award? It was the Warrior. Him? Yeah, he was... Because um, this year was Shad Gaspard, I think. So last year would have yes. been Titus O'Neil. That's um, it. was the pre-taped one, wasn't it? Yeah, the one in the Thunderdome. Yeah, where they did the 2020 and the 2021 Hall of Fame ceremonies, you know, effect they didn't tape them on the same night, but they were essentially done the same. Yeah, he he got he got put in last year, uh, but he was the as part of the 2020 class of the, yes. yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, sorry. but I'm with you. Yeah, I mean it's I mean this is WWE. It realizes that there's a lot of criticism being you know directed towards it at the moment and for reasons that we don't really need to go over here it's all Vince related of course um and it did feel like a firefighting exercise I mean this this sort of thing was not uncommon in the you know in 93 94 time where WWE would extol its own virtues and you know talk about its charity work and the make-a-wish things it did and, you know, all the good things that it did for charities and for communities, you know, while it was, you know, sc- riven by scandal, basically, you know, to do with, you know, obviously sex scandals was early and then the steroid scandal was earlier as well. The steroid trial was 94, Vince was acquitted. But, I mean, this is what it did back then. This is what WWF did back then. It would use its TV as a platform to... Um, point out the things it did that were beneficial to communities and to to, to the needy and those that needed help. Um, and here it was on July 18th, 2022, using Titus O'Neill, its global ambassador, to do exactly the same thing. So I imagine that they were roundly criticised for this, Kenny, online. I didn't read the criticism, but I imagine it was there. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people... Um... I think a lot of people kind of feel sorry for Titus O'Neil because, like you say, there's so much good that he's done and he's, he's kind of put in this position where, you know, it, it just felt like a, a strange time to do it. But like you, like you say, we know why they did it. We know why they decided to do it. Um, I mean, Titus works for WWE. He knows the score. And yeah. you've got to take the rough with the smooth when you work for that company. Yeah, you know what you're getting into. It's not, it's not a... Yeah, and, and this doesn't... I don't think this really reflects badly on him. You know, no. it simply reflects badly on the people who send him out there. And nobody, nobody, I didn't see one person say anything bad about Titus O'Neill. I'm sure. No, nobody, I'm sure. nobody has a bad word to say about him. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Was, elsewhere on Raw, we had um, Becky Lynch did a promo before we had the Bianca Carmella rematch, which of course Bianca uh, won. Um, how did how did Becky do here um, to kind of get you into the the idea of the big SummerSlam match between uh, Becky and Bianca? Um, I mean, it just it just it, you know it just feels like this story's already been told. We talked about this last week, didn't we, Kenny? There isn't 
what else is there for us to say um, about a story that feels to me like it concluded at WrestleMania? Um, obviously, it's now running until July 30th at SummerSlam in Nashville. Um, I mean, these two are stars, and I'm, I am looking forward to the match in the sense that I think it'll be a good match, and I'm interested to see how it ends. So that will be, I'm curious to, as to, to see who wins, because if Belair loses, then that could be problematic for her. Um, you know, and if Lynch loses, what does she do next? So I'm not quite sure how this match will end. So that's the most fascinating part of this storyline and, you know, match at the big show to me. Um but yeah, it's, I mean, they, haven't, they didn't say anything that we haven't already heard them say many times before. There isn't really anything, any new material here, is there? No, because that was the hope last week when we were talking about it was, well, maybe we're going to get something new to add to the, the story. But it's a, it's a weird match where it almost feels like neither person should lose. Yeah. So, and then, you, like you say, maybe they do something where somebody comes in and there's a non-finish. Maybe well, that's... we can't do that in two matches. I was suggesting that in Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. We can't have non-finishes in both women's title matches. Well, maybe, maybe they move the non-finish to this one. <laughs> and then maybe we, maybe we get a finish in the Liv and Ronda one and we get a non-finish in this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, Becky Lynch um, was out and Bianca Belair joined her and we talked about the 26-second match at SummerSlam last year and then Bianca said that she had redeemed herself at WrestleMania this year, which she did. Then Carmella walked out, and then Carmella and Becky Lynch beat down Belair, and then that led to a Carmella versus Belair match, um, which was for the Raw Women's title. And if Belair was counted out, then Carmella would lose the belt. And Becky was on commentary at ringside. So Belair won this one handily. Uh, I mean, Carmella did have quite a bit of offense, but it never seemed at any point that Carmella would win. I mean, it was clear that Bianca was going to win this match. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it was at one point, Belair did this pretty amazing suplex on Carmella, who no-sold the suplex completely. And I was just like, why have you done that? You have improved you know, in recent years, I think Carmella used to be a bit of a joke in the ring. And I think she can put together a decent little match now. She knows what she can do. She doesn't do things that she can't do. And this is the thing that WWE trains its talent. Only do the things you can do well. And Carmella has worked that one out. So she only does things that she can successfully um, execute and accomplish, pull off. And apart from the no sell on the suplex, I thought this was a decent performance from Carmella here. Belair won, as I said, handily with the KOD. Uh, Carmella then left. Lynch entered the ring afterwards, um, threw the belt at Belair, and then walked off. So, I mean, it, I, I thought it was decent promotion for Belair versus Lynch. Um, you know, and apart from the no sell on the suplex, I thought the match was perfectly respectable. But I mean, yeah, how does this match play out at SummerSlam, Kenny? That's the question. I mean, I'm fairly convinced Becky Lynch is winning the title back because I just think that that's who they are going to want to have on top more. But I can't really see what either of them do if they lose on the brand. Yeah. Because there's not... I, I think that's the thing that WWE have a, quite an issue. They, they've got quite a depth issue now with, with the female roster on both brands. 
So I don't know what they're going to do about that. I mean, well, and they got like a 20 women battle royal on NXT tonight. They do. I don't know how many of those 20 women are ready <laughs> to come to Raw SmackDown. Well, but... well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was thinking, I mean, but, I mean, you know, there's, 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 there's at least five or six women who they could hire back. Or, 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 you know, get... I mean, I'm not saying it'd be something who they would push, but I know, you, you know, Dakota Kai or something. Bring her in for a short run. Get her to work with somebody. There's people who they could bring in because who else do these people feud with? The, the Raw Women's Division, we've got Carmella. I think Zelina's still around, but she's not really a wrestler. Let's be honest. Tamina, Dana Brooke. Yeah, uh, I mean, they just fill it. I mean... I've got Asuka, but I mean, Asuka's just kind of taken all the losses for... Bianca and Becky. Yeah, yeah. But she's been settled woman, hasn't she? She's been yeah. just in the role of preparing these two for this big match. But you're right, yeah, if they were to rehire Dakota Kai, she's someone who I think could have a decent program with Liv Morgan. Um, and also, I think, actually, with Becky Lynch, and she's competent in the ring. She's reliable. She can put a complicated match together. So I think she's somebody they could hire. Um, I mean, Toxic Attraction are an act that are clearly in NXT designed for the main roster. They put these three together with a view to them, you know, taking over NXT, which they did for a while. Um, well, Mandy Rose is still champion, of course. Um, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan have lost the tag team belt. Um, but I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if they're really good enough for the main roster. I'm just not convinced that they could come in there and have matches that are going to be good enough, that are going to be up to standard and up to people's expectations. Although maybe, you know, they could. Maybe when they arrive on the main roster and they're working with these more experienced and proficient uh, acts, maybe that will rub off on them and they will become better as a result. And they've certainly got, you know, the the swagger and the character and the music and it's an, an act they've developed. So I think as an act, it could potentially succeed um but i think they need to either rehire as you said some people that they let go for reasons that neither of us could could understand at the time or bring up like half a dozen people from nxt within the next sort of six to eight weeks um obviously they do they do have rhea ripley who at some point will be coming back but i mean sure. Yeah, they, 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 regardless, they need more women because both divisions are, are quite... They do, and, and people are always going to suffer injuries. I mean, this is always going to happen. There's always going to be people who are injured or people who are, you know, upset and are taking time off and asking for contract releases. You mm. know, this, is, this happens on a regular basis. So you need reinforcements, you know, to, to fill in the gaps, don't you? Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're in a situation where you've just got these constantly recycled matches and programs, which, you know gets a bit boring at times. Uh, well, elsewhere on Raw, we also had um, a match. We, we had a match with uh, Rey Mysterio and Damien Priest, Damien Priest, sorry, um, which Damien Priest was able to win. And then after the match, um, they were putting the boots to poor Ray. And then, uh, you know, Damien Priest ends up threatening Dominic. So, you know, you join Judgment Day tonight or we're going to take his head off. And then uh, Dominic said he would join if they stopped. Um, and there was a kind of back and forth. And then Balor attacks Dominic. Um, so we're all building to this celebration next week of Ray's 20th anniversary in the company. And um, this all just feels like the heel turn is coming for Dominic next week. I would go as far as to say I would almost bet on it, Finn. Where, do, where are your well, odds at on it? 
it does feel like that will be the outcome. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it was Ray versus Damien Priest, and Priest. I mean, that was a huge win for Damien Priest, wasn't it? Defeating uh, Rey Mysterio here, mm-hmm. and then afterwards uh, they set up. It was Priest and Finn Balor. They set up uh, Ray for a concerto, and um, you know they said, Dominic. You know, you either agree to join the join the Judgment Day, or we're gonna we're gonna smash Ray's head in. And Dom entered the ring and said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll join." But Priest and Finn Balor realized that he wasn't sincere, and he was just saying that so that they didn't beat up his father. Uh, so they instead beat up Dominic. Um, they, they were then gonna try and smash Ray with a chair, but he rolled to the floor. Um, and the Mysterios did a runner. Uh, but as you say, yeah, it was. Um, this all feels like it's going to be Dom's, you know, big coming out party next week uh, on Raw at Madison Square Garden, Rey Mysterio's 20th anniversary celebration in WWE. Um, I mean, we know Edge is returning at some point as well, but it doesn't that doesn't feel like the right time in that segment, even though we know he's going to return to confront the Judgment Day. That, I think, would be too cluttered if Edge were to return in that segment. I think they'll say that you know, potentially for SummerSlam, maybe. I'm not sure, maybe for the TV the week after SummerSlam. But I think, I think, yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Ray and Dom, and then we're going to get, like, you know, the proper Russo swerve turn. (laughs) Like the Trent Seven attack on Tyler Bate, or, you know, the Christian Cage attack on Jungle Boy. It's going to be something like that, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. Um, and then the, for the main event of Raw, we had Miz TV with Logan Paul. And um, Logan Paul uh, claimed that the Miz has blueberries between his legs, not balls. Um, we got a tiny balls chant. Um, and uh, Miz was showing off his massive balls T-shirt that he, he had on underneath his suit. Um, so, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're getting Miz and Logan Paul at SummerSlam. Um do you think Logan Paul as a babyface based on this uh, segment is going to uh, continue to work in Madison Square Garden and at SummerSlam? Um, I mean, he's not a natural babyface, is he, Logan Paul? I mean, people don't really like him. Um, he's not exactly a man of the people, is he? <laughs> not exactly. How much was that Pokemon card supposedly worth? Was it, was it five million? It was just a staggering. I mean, talk about a vulgar display of wealth. I mean, I know that was the point because he was a heel, but it was just like, yeah, he's not very relatable. I mean, it's like, who is this guy? And he's like, he seems to be able to do anything, which is annoying. He's like good at everything, which is even more annoying. Um, but he just doesn't feel likable at all. And the whole way this segment was laid out with Logan Paul doing the runner fleeing from Miz. And Champa, um, he he didn't really look babyface like it should have been Miz and Champa fleeing, not Logan Paul. So I didn't really understand why they did the segment in the way that they did. Um, so yeah, Logan Paul just doesn't, he's just not a likable guy. And I know he agreed to do this whole the match at WrestleMania and the story with Miz, the whole idea of this. The only re- reason he'd agreed to do it was if. He was the baby face at the end. So he's demanded this match with the Miz. And maybe on the night, Kenny, it will work really well. I think he probably will. I think when he's wrestling, 
I think he will get people on side. But when he's speaking, he just doesn't have those sort of baby face tendencies, doesn't he? He doesn't have those likable, you know, humble. Well, there's nothing humble about him, is there? Let's be honest. <laughs> so, I mean, he's... Well, yeah, no, but the, the even more annoying thing is, is that Logan Paul would be a great heel yes. in the company. Sure. Um, so, I mean, the hope is that he's going to be uh, aware enough that, like, it'd be better for me to be a heel. You know, I, I would I would work better in that in that way, and I th- I think he'll get there. I mean, he's a guy who seems to be. I don't think he's fully aware, but I think he's aware enough that he would get it. I you know I don't think he's somebody who's going to be, you know, for years going to say I'm not I'm not going to be a, a bad guy. Like I think he'll happily do it if he thinks it's going to work. But I think unfortunately we're probably going to have to watch him get booed out of the building as a babyface for a while before he succumbs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be as quick as the realisation that Lacey Evans, you know, was not working as a babyface. And I've got to say, WWE, you've got to give them a lot of credit for that. You know, they, they, they detected it at Money in the Bank. We all did. I mean, it was there. It was totally in your face. And there was no messing around. Right, we're turning her. This is not working. Neither <laughs> is a heel. And I think they're actually on to something with Lacey Evans and his heel character. I think this heel character is going to be a big success. It already feels like it's turning into something quite special. You know, the big question, of course, with Lacey is, can she put it together in the ring? And on the main roster, she has never proven that she can. I thought she was all right in NXT, but it's a lower pressure environment uh, and not as much is expected of the talent there. But as we know, I mean, that series with Becky was a total flop. Like, a, I'm not, I mean, was it a calamity? If it wasn't a calamity, it was the next worst thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we'll see what she can do in 2022 as a heel wrestler. Um, but Logan Paul, you're right. It's, I don't know, maybe him and Miz can put together a match, you know, in which Logan Paul will be cheered. And if he really aces it in the ring, he really tears it up. You know, people possibly will respect him and forgive the fact that he's, you know, they've got this natural sort of arrogance and, you know, he's kind of this aloof kind of guy. And I think if he's good enough in the ring, I think he will be. I think the match will really, I think they'll really put a good match together at SummerSlam. I'm sure a lot of thoughts going to go into this and they're going to want to make sure this is a huge success. I mean, it seems fairly obvious that Logan Paul's going to score the pin. It would, it would be outrageous for The Miz to win to lead to another match. This is going to be a Logan Paul victory. So if the match really delivers, then maybe, maybe they can get over, you know, his personal shortcomings. Maybe they can be offset by his athletic gifts, which let's face it, Kenny, are undeniable. Yeah, he's a, he's very good athletically. And uh, yeah, he's definitely going to get the win at SummerSlam. Um, well, I mean, that's that's pretty much the main stuff from all that I wanted to go through. Um, and Obviously, when we do Power Slam this week, we will give full time and attention to Ric Flair's last match, Finn, about what we're going to get and uh, what you think of, of this as the final product. So it'll be pretty interesting to see, uh, to, to hear your thoughts. And I'm sure there'll be lots more wrestling news by then for us to dissect. Aye, absolutely. And um, obviously, there's this TV 14 rumors right yeah. after I answered a question on that very topic in the magazine. <laughs> It's like they're reading it. It's like they're reading it. They know what's going on. Um, but yeah, so and we're going to do the opposite of what he's suggesting <laughs> to make him look like a 
a complete buffoon. <laughs> oh well, you know, it, it, sometimes it happens. But this is this is the spontaneity. Kenny, I don't need any help looking like a buffoon. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the spontaneity of the Q and A: is that you never know what's going to happen after our answers come out. Wrestling, wrestling is a walking contradiction usually. Yes, it certainly is. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll be talking in a couple of days. We hope that you guys will check it out. And uh, this uh, next week is uh, next Thursday, the twenty eighth, is when the next issue of Inside the Ropes magazine comes out. Uh, issue twenty three with John Moxley on the cover. Finn's done a big feature on Paul Heyman. I've interviewed William Regal. Lots and lots of stuff in there. So Inside the Ropes magazine is where you can go and check it out. So we hope that you'll give it a, give it a try. And uh, Patreon is where you can hear more of us. We'll be doing um, our uh, overrun. We've also got a f- couple of fun things planned for our fifth year of doing this, Finn. It's our anniversary this yeah. year. Yeah, there was actually another anniversary on Sunday, Kenny. Eight years since the last issue of Power Slam went out. Wow. Does it feel like eight years? No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like eight years. Um, but yeah, it was July 17th. 2014 so it just i only noticed today i was like oh yeah it's eight years since issue 237 with john cena on the cover went out so no it doesn't feel like eight years so uh but yeah and then and then in 2017 we started podcasting together and it's been a love affair ever since it has indeed kenny yes and uh you know we have got something planned to celebrate the fifth anniversary which also passed us by I mean, yeah. we, we, we nil poire for observation, <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> well, look, it's better late than never. We're getting round to it. That's the, that's the main thing. Yes. Um, but yeah, more, more info coming soon on that. So I uh, want to thank you for all your support, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.